0: And when the government announced the smart meter rollout and crucially it's the customers who own that data, it's not the energy suppliers, it's not the district network operators, then that to me was a massive opportunity to say, all of a sudden, well, hang on a second, in a market where consumers feel arguably more disempowered than any other market, all of a sudden they own the one asset that the industry needs to operate. So that has to be a tool to rebalance the market.
1: Welcome to Screw It, Just Do It, brought to you by Startup U, inspiring and supporting entrepreneurs to make a full-time living doing what you love. I'm your host, Alex Chisnell, fellow entrepreneur, Virgin Mentor, and founder of Startup U, the regional partner a Virgin Startup, providing startup funding, mentoring, and support. Each episode features the stories from two entrepreneurs at different stages in their journey who talk us through their successes and failures. You get to take on board all of their learnings and none of the failure. Today's podcast is brought to you by Hayes, with the number one recruiting experts in the UK. Whether you're searching for your perfect job or looking to scale your business by building the perfect team, go to hayes.co.uk, quoting Startup you. Welcome to episode 62 of Screw It, Just Do It. I'm your host, Alex Chisnell, and on today's show, I welcome Jane Lucy, founder of energy disruptor Labrador. So really, really interesting idea here um, and a really interesting backstory to Jane, um, who first worked with Hugh Fernley Whittingstall to create the first collaborative communities around money and land and take on the supermarkets. She's also a lawyer, which I'm sure comes in very handy for unpicking all the complex energy regulations that surround the industry. So you probably better know Hugh Fernie Whittingstall for his uh, river cottage business, cookery programs, etc. And that's where um, Jane first started um, getting interested in technology. um, After some successful projects to disrupt the supermarkets, she was keen to leverage that approach elsewhere. So she created Labrador, which is a free accurate and automated service basically tracks your energy use through your smart meter and automatically switches you to the cheapest tariff on the market. How brilliant does that sound? it's one of the most expensive household bills that we all have. Most people do absolutely nothing about switching from one of the big six providers to a, to a cheaper tariff. People pay on average um, £300 a year too much. So add that up over your lifetime and that is a considerable amount of money. Services recently launched, literally last month. Um, Should would raised finance before to put a team together to build the technology for this. Um, she's now just crowdfunded an additional three quarters of a million pounds as well. Um, and despite the energy market in the UK it's 20 years since it's been, um, deregulated, but despite that and over 70 energy suppliers, um, 80% of households are still paying over the odds with the big six. So really interested to, to hear, Jane's interesting backstory, the challenges she's overcome as a single mum, as a tech as a female tech founder trying to raise money without a tech background. Let's start up.
0: So it's coming up to four years since I had the idea. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, so a little while. Um but as I'm sure a lot of people know who've started businesses, that things always take longer than you think. Um, so I'm a sole founder as well. So I, I certainly didn't build Labrador all on my own. So it took a while to um, raise some initial investment and then find um, the right people to be part of the team and then to obviously develop the technology. Um, and we work with... Um, Data from smart meters, and there's lots of different things that you could do with that data. So it also took a bit of time to work out what was the right thing to launch first in terms of a, a product or service. So.
1: Okay. So the idea, so the idea, the product, the idea for the product didn't come first, but the idea about the the data and the savings that could be used within that data.
0: Exactly. So hmm. I. Um, I, previous to setting up Labrador, I worked on some consumer campaigns um, with a guy, uh, Hugh Fernley-Whittingstall. I don't know if you know him.
1: Oh, I certainly do. Got many of his cookbooks. <laughs> Very good.
0: Um, so we did some of the first cross-platform campaigns with Channel 4, so things like Fish Fight and Chicken Out. Yeah. Um, and they were really... Fundamentally, about using technology and social networks to aggregate the influence of consumers to affect some kind of market change. And I um, I found it a fascinating experience doing those projects and I could see that there was a potential to use that kind of an approach elsewhere. Um, and when I was still working with Hugh, we thought energy was an obvious market to try and do something. So we did um, one project with British Gas, which was around sort of, uh, local renewables and energy efficiency and then we did a collective switch project with you switch and I just couldn't help feel that there were still massive gaps in the market in terms of you know a, an overwhelming feeling um, from customers of being disempowered and not really able to do much about the fact that they were paying too much for their energy they couldn't there was no visibility of what they were using and spending and and you know so I just thought well there has to be a new way to approach this to make consumers feel empowered in the market and when the government announced the smart meter rollout and crucially it's the customers who own that data it's not the energy suppliers it's not the district network operators then that to me was a massive opportunity to say all of a sudden well hang on a second in a market where consumers feel arguably more disempowered than any other market, all of a sudden they own the one asset that the industry needs to operate. So that has to be a tool to rebalance the market. So that was really how I first saw the opportunity. And then it was, well, then how do you, how do you create value out of that asset? Because obviously customers are not going to do it themselves. They don't have time, energy is boring, <laughs> it's confusing.
1: Yeah, very um, confusing
0: what are you going to do you're going to look at energy or you're going to watch Netflix on the one hour that you've got to yourself on the weekend I mean it's never it's never going to be appealing to the mass audience so it was all about how can we create value out of this data for the customer
1: and you say you came up with that idea when you were working with Hugh did you think of doing it collaboratively or did you always want to start your own business and you thought this was a way to do that
0: well, I did. Um, I did manage to get myself into a unique position when I was working with him, a head of special projects, which gave me a pretty free reign to yeah. different things. Um, so I did run it past uh, the team, um, but they obviously, you know, the company that I worked with, Keo Films, is a television production company, really. And whilst we did start doing some digital standalone projects, they were still a media company at heart, and, and what I wanted to do didn't fit with that. So yeah. um, so whilst it was something certainly that I discussed with the team, it, it made sense on both sides for me to, to set it up independently.
1: And did you make uh, a clean break from that, or did you try and set this up on the side whilst working a full-time job, or how was your, your personal life at the time?
0: Um, I did leave, and I yeah threw myself into the deep end and <laughs> the, the blank slate of learning how on earth to put an idea, um, you know, from a piece of paper and raise investment off the back of an idea on a piece of paper to to taking it all the way through to where we are today, um, so, which is yeah why it, it's taken some time, but um,
1: yeah, yeah, it's
0: a fascinating experience.
1: And and um, what was your Day looking like at that point, if you when you decided to to stop working and go headlong into this, was it was it a case of going straight into trying to pitch to investors after after fleshing out the idea and putting together some kind of deck or MVP?
0: Yeah, so I um, pretty much took about three months to sort of finish researching what I thought the opportunity was and how to sort of summarize that and present that, um, and then I started looking to try and get some investment and also just continue to try and get input from people with experience that could sort of help um, sort of sense, check what I was trying to do. So for instance, I spent um, quite a bit of time with Pilgrim Beard who founded Alert Me, is one of the first connected homes businesses, um, which was then acquired by British Gas. So yeah, so it it kind of took me almost a year to raise my first round. and, and from that time on, then it was looking at developing a, an MVP, proving that we could capture this data, that we could analyse it, we could create a product out of it, um, how that all worked uh, as an end-to-end process, um, and then deciding on what was the, the sort of initial focus. Um, and switching just seemed to make sense in terms of, um, you know, obviously, I'm sure you've read the stats many, many times in the press, but you know, after 20 years almost of deregulated market, you've still got, um, despite 70 energy suppliers, 80% of people still with the big six. Mm. Um, less than 20% of people switch providers, which means that on average, people are paying 300 pounds per year too much. Yeah. Um, and there's loads of research as to why people don't switch. As I said before, it's boring, it's confusing, it's complicated. People have got better things to do. Um, and I think in the absence of data, it's been very hard to navigate. And it's um, so data has been an opportunity to do three things really. One is to make it accurate. Another is to make it transparent. And another is to take it off the consumer. So rather than requiring the customer to drive the whole process, um, to make it truly frictionless as a, as an automated thing.
1: And I'm assuming that that's, that's been key because, like you say, fa- faced with the choice of, and I know what it's like. You, you probably know yourself reading a little bit about your background. You literally get an hour to yourself in the evening after um, you know most people put the kids to bed and thinking you know. I want to get a good night's sleep, what are you going to do, you know, and at the weekend you always put it off to, let's have a discussion at the weekend and look to switch this supplier and that supplier, and again, it gets put off, put off, doesn't it, and it never actually gets accurate.
0: not only you paying too much, but you're just permanently carrying this guilt around, knowing <laughs> something, you know, this personal admin that you should be doing, but you just can't quite be bothered. Mm. Um, you know, I'm a single parent, so you know, having getting that hour on a week to, to choose to do something for myself is um, even rarer. And again, you know, there's no way that spending an hour on a price comparison site is on the, the in the top 20, let alone the top three.
1: No. So, see, so would you say that's the biggest barrier that you faced, or you you'll think you're going to continue to face just the um, Apathy, I guess, from people actually.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. And I think um, the way that we've approached this, which is different from some other thinking, um, particularly sort of in the areas of innovation in the energy market, is. Is that that behaviour and that lethargy will not change? You know, so some people will have you know approached the opportunity of smart meter data to say, look, this is what we can do. We can you know give you access to your real time data. You can see your fridge there and your microwave there, and um, you know real time exciting stuff. And you know we provide that data console to customers, but we don't expect anyone to look at it. You know that that is not our service. That is not our product. Um, you know, our service is giving them peace of mind that they're always paying, a, you know, a cheap, fair amount for their energy. And that's a, a bribe product of how we deliver the service rather than that being the thing that we think people are going to get excited about.
1: Um, and I don't subscribe to this myself because we've, we've helped so many businesses whose founders aren't. Uh, from a tech background, but you're clearly disproving that doesn't need to be a hindrance when you've 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 built something, you've got customers, you've raised money, you're doing it and breathing it essentially.
0: Yeah, I mean, I can't say that it's easy. I mean, it's certainly, you know, first of all, you've got the statistics of how many women raise money, which is pretty low, but um, it also is not particularly appealing to the majority of investors to have a sole founder either. That's another another area where um, there's not a huge amount of success. And then on top of that, um, having a founder who can't code is another uh, another use case that investors normally uh, uh, can be quite concerned about.
1: Mm. Uh, but, but you clearly overcame all of those and in a position now where you have a product that people can essentially use and you can receive revenue from.
0: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think from the investors that we have got on board, I mean, most people appreciate that there is a huge issue in the market. And, um, you know, when you have Despite the success of companies like YouSwitch and Money Supermarket and Go Compare and Compare the Market, I mean, for the fact that they are operating in a market where there's only sort of between 15 to 18 percent of people engaged. Um, you can just see the size of the opportunity and that's even before you start to look at actually what the capability of smart meter data is and it obviously can go far beyond energy switching
1: I was going to say is, is there a, a strategy in place that you, you talk about or is it let's get this sorted first and, and get traction, get momentum and then we look at other um, opportunities to, to, to leverage data?
0: Yeah it is, I mean I think um Certainly it's impossible to sort of stop talk about what else we could do. You know, it's very exciting Mm and you know, whilst we're the only ones in the market to do this today, that's obviously not always going to be the case. So how do you keep adding value and differentiating your product or service? Yeah. But at the same time at this stage, I mean it really has to be all about focus. So, you know, we for instance we get contacted by the SME market that are desperate for us to start offering our service to businesses. We get contacted by people in Singapore, Australia, Japan and other territories. Um, but, you know, we, we do need to park all of that and just focus on getting this right first.
1: Yeah. And, and how, how has it gone since you, um, maybe maybe you can give us a timeline of actually launching and how many customers you, you've onboarded, that, that those kind of figures?
0: Yeah, so we launched um, in the first week of last month, so it, it is fairly new live market. Yeah. Um, and we've got about 750 people signed up so far, so it's you know early days, but um, but we're you know starting to get a lot of really useful feedback in terms of how we continue to optimize, not just the experience, um, but also around understanding where people need more information and. Um, what sort of education people might need in terms of understanding exactly what we do and how we do it?
1: Yeah, and There's, a good good point to say. Actually, would you like to, at this point, just tell us how easy it is from a consumer point of view?
0: Yeah, thanks. Um, so uh, our technology works with smart meters, as you probably picked up from what I've said already. Um, so with ha- households that have already got smart meters, it's quite straightforward. We have a device that we put in the post and it fits through the letterbox and they simply plug it into a standard electricity socket and a cord that goes into their broadband router. And that's all they need to do. Um, So we do the more complex uh, connection to their smart meters remotely without customer intervention. Um, And obviously they can, when they create their account, they can set their switching preferences, whether or not they're happy for it to be fully automatic or whether or not they want an alert that they choose to accept. Uh, whether or not they want a green tariff or whether or not they want a particular payment preference or if they only want the big sticks, or they only want, you know, um, uh, they want to stick with their existing supplier but just make sure they don't roll onto the standard variable tariff. So there's, there's – uh, people can either just stick with the defaults which prioritise price or they can personalise. Um, and then for households that don't have a smart meter, um, we – uh, the default is to switch them to a tariff that comes with a fast, uh, fast-tracked installation. Um, so obviously, we check that that's still going to be cheaper than what they're currently paying. So it's still a, um, a cheap tariff in the market that comes with that technology. Um, but at the same time, we also cater for people who definitely don't want to have a smart meter. They just, just don't want one.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and then obviously, we can provide our service via um, getting the usage information. By other means so it's a whole of market solution but obviously optimized to make the most out of smart meter data.
1: see I, i'm one of these people who hadn't switched and then i literally well one of the few people i should say who actually put the time in the diary and literally about a month five six weeks ago switched from like one of the big six um to a green energy supplier for like for the first time in decades. So I, I wish I'd known about this before, but obviously getting the message out on the podcast is a, a good example of me <laughs> saying that and getting it out there. Well,
0: just one one misconception is that just because you've switched to a fi- fixed tariff doesn't mean that you're safe for a year, right? You know there's right. price changes in the market every week. So yes. um, what we do is we make sure that there isn't a price change that could still save you more money yes. um, that you don't even think about checking. So yep. you know, some fixed tariffs don't have any exit fees so there's no cost to, to move away before the end or if a fixed tariff does have an exit fee, they're generally around 30 pounds of fuel. And, and we take that into account and we make sure that we only um, do a switch or we'll give you a recommendation that will save you in excess of the exit fee.
1: That's great. I'm glad I brought that up then. That, that is a massive <laughs> misconception. And how how easy is it for someone to get a smart meter delivered to their house?
0: Um, they do need to be at home um, because even if the meters are external to the house, um, they need to do some tests to make sure that um, you know all the power and the gas is working properly because all of that stuff gets turned off for a few minutes whilst the meters get replaced. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really up to the um, a combination of the engineer and the and the customer in terms of what what's a good time for them to be home for that installation. But for instance, generally it takes three weeks for a switch to go through. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're contacted immediately once the switch is completed to book in the installation and then the date for that is anywhere between sort of you know two weeks to eight weeks you know depending again on on your what when's convenient for that
1: yeah and, and you i mean the statistics wise uh, correct me if i'm wrong but you thinking that i mean the market size is billions i'm sure uh, just just in the uk but average saving is something like 300 pounds a year Per per household,
0: yeah, yeah. So you know, on those sorts of maths, people are overpaying in the region of five billion pounds a year. So it's Bonkers. it's not small. <laughs> um, and yes. then there's also, you know, for instance, things like um, fuel poverty and you know the poverty premium. And you know, I think the poverty premium has been assessed to as being around five billion pounds a year as well, of which energy is sort of between two two and a half million pounds billion pounds. So it's you know it's um energy is tends to be the second most expensive um, cost for households after mortgage and rent so it's not insignificant
1: no no and and I guess a couple of different things you've had to do along the way but I'm assuming um, the way that you would um, receive revenue from it would be from people making the switch how have you gone about getting the agreements from the suppliers and what kind of resistance or welcome you with open arms has there has there been?
0: Yeah, sure. Um, so we partner with Energy Helpline, um, and they already have pre-existing um, agreements with energy suppliers. Yeah. So they have um, the most affiliate agreements um, in the market. So, for instance, they have double the amount that you switch to um, to give you know real
1: yeah
0: And it also means by having a partner, not only do we have instant access um, to those uh, relationships, but also it means that from our side, we only see a fixed flat fee no matter which tariff, which supplier. There's no difference. There's no financial incentive for us to promote something over another, um, which helps obviously reinforce the fact that we're an independent service. Um, But we've also had, um, you know, obviously discussions with energy suppliers direct so we we obviously can have exclusives to labrador outside the energy helpline relationship um and you know there's a lot of interest well there's actually really two camps i suppose if if i'm honest there's sort of there's some of the big six who are very nervous about the new technology they're very nervous about losing customers because they are starting to lose customers quite a bit Mm. um you know obviously you've now got 20% of the market with challenger suppliers and they can see that that is at risk of just continuing to erode their customer base. Um, But even some of the big six acknowledge that the market is changing, technology is changing, and they need to find a way to evolve with how the market's progressing and to find a way to still offer value to the customer, to engage the customer, and to remain competitive. So there are some that are quite forward-thinking and know that they have got the challenge to be competitive and and are taking that on board. Mm -hmm. Some others are putting their head in the sand and then there's others who are very proactive in terms of, you know, they can see a real opportunity to say to their customers, you know, we're we're so much about customer value proposition that we're prepared to put ourselves... um, you know, under scrutiny by a third party to make sure that you're always, you know, paying a fair amount. And um, and then I think also when you start to look at the smart meter rollout, obviously there's um, the government program and the obligation that suppliers offer smart meters to every household between now and 2020. And you know, they're, they're gonna struggle to get there without customer engagement and without customers having an understanding of what benefits are available to them over and above what the supplier can offer um so you know i think at the moment today you know a lot of the message around smart meters has been around accurate billing but also energy efficiency and for some people that energy efficiency stories are hard sell you know they can't it's not easy for people to use less energy in, in some situations it's not yeah. a choice um and so you know they it's now time for the other the story about the other values. So, that, you know, being able to have visibility of your cost as you use it so that you can control your bills, having transparency of understanding exactly what tariff is best suited to you, um, you know, having this guaranteed service of always being on a cheap tariff. These are the extra benefits that now um, need to be communicated to customers so that they can take advantage of them.
1: And um, we just talked off air um, before I'm having just finished um, a crowdfunding round with Crowdcube, I believe. Um, Good point to kind of bring things back to to, to how we started. Um, So we'd just like to tell us how, how that went for you?
0: Yeah, so we uh, were raising £750,000 with the crowd and, you know, as a consumer brand and a consumer service, we thought it was um, a worthwhile thing doing, like sort of opening ourselves up to the investment and also, I guess, as a way of sort of, again, you know, validating um, that we're offering something of interest to people. Um, and I'm pleased to say that we overfunded uh, and we raised uh, over
1: £800,000. Amazing. Congratulations.
0: Thank you. Yeah, it's, uh, it's certainly an interesting experience, I must say. And,
1: um, and, and uh, an exercise in itself. Is that, maybe, I've, everyone I've spoken to said you literally have to park everything else in your life and focus entirely on this for the, for the duration of the campaign.
0: Well, I'm lucky that, you know, I've got um, a good team and, and um, our chairman, Joe Manchin, he, he was the one at five to midnight with the deadlines still right. answering questions in the <laughs> Um, so, yeah, no, it's definitely thanks to him as well.
1: And, and are you um, was the purpose of raising the money to continue to, to build the technology or continue to market what you're doing or a combination?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So a combination mainly around um, marketing but also to expand our team so that we can um, you know, improve the customer experience um, and be able to support more people signing up. Um, as part of our recent round, we also um, uh, had a new investor come on board, which is the um, DMGT, the Daily Mail. Yeah, I group. saw
1: that. Very interesting uh, investor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: So, you know, that's um, part investment but also part uh, media equity. Mm. So, you know, if it's like going back to this idea that we've got, you know, 20% or less of the market that switch, you know, how do you reach this other 80%? How do you make them aware that there's an alternative to traditional switching um, that can, you know, build greater trust and transparency? And, and so, obviously, you know, we're really excited with that partnership to be able to um, be able to spread that message uh, a bit further than we'd be able to do on our own.
1: I, I like that lateral thinking. Was that um – something that you'd thought of for a while, or did they approach you? How, how did that come about? Because that, that sounds like a brilliant uh, <laughs> stroke of genius.
0: Yeah, well, we were lucky, to be fair. So um, one of our anchor investors is uh, Hambro Perks, um, and they have a number of relationships, um, which include the Daily Mail group. So uh, it was really an introduction by way of Hambro Perks. Uh, yeah. But it's interesting. I mean, there seems to be an opening up of some of the media players in terms of looking at startups and and offering programs. So, for instance, we're also um, got a program on the nurture program with JC Deco, which is you know all about making outdoor advertising accessible to startups who don't have the budgets, you know, to, to normally compete in that kind of a space. So, I think you know you've got a number of. Um, media owners who are starting to look about how they can get involved in startups a bit more and thankfully we get to have the benefit with a a couple of these relationships.
1: That's great. Well, um, sounds like a perfect time to to, to finish up. So thank you so much for your time. And I I wish you all the best. I'm definitely going to be uh, making the switch again because you've dispelled one of the obvious myths that I knew nothing about. So um, I hope many other people do as well because it sounds like an amazing business, really exciting. And I can imagine it must be incredibly difficult to stay focused on the one thing that you've launched now because the possibilities must be endless. <laughs> That's
0: right, yeah. Yeah, we've got a constant mantra of focus in the office. But, um, yeah, we've, it's obviously something that we're very passionate about delivering, so we've got to focus on doing a good job.
1: I'm sure you will. Thank you so much for your time. Cheers, Jane.
0: Great. Thanks very much.
1: Really enjoyed speaking to Jane, and really, really interested in seeing um, how Labrador does. Um, obviously, a gazillion different things they could potentially do, um, but the immediate one that they've just launched and raised significant amount of money uh, again on uh, from crowdfunding. Be great to see um, how this business goes with regards to the energy savings. Um, Before we move on to my takeaways, just a quick reminder, if you've downloaded this on Wednesday the 21st, we are live in Manchester tonight with Luke Massey and Sasha Atherton at the Central Library. And the following week, we're in Bournemouth on the 28th with Sorted Foods' Jamie Spafford and Ikeloo's Andrew Walker. Just head over to the Startup U Eventbrite page to grab a ticket for either of those events. Moving on. um, So a couple of takeaways for me. The biggest one is don't let anything hold you back. Um, So many barriers that have been put in front of Jane um, and that she has overcome. So things like, for example, uh, that I mentioned in the interview, um, being a tech founder who doesn't code, you know, that hasn't been a barrier to her. Yes, it's been challenging, but it hasn't been a barrier Um, female founders who raise uh, hundreds of thousands of pounds are incredibly thin on the ground as she brought up herself but again she's overcome that barrier she's also a single mum so she gets precious little time I'd imagine um, to actually work on the business and keep a family life going as well so many many barriers um, holding have tried to hold her back and she's not let any of them do so so message to you is to do exactly the same overcome whatever is put in your way never ever give up another takeaway is creating value always thinking about how you can create value not thinking how can i make money out of this yes we all want to make money um, from our businesses clearly we're not charities um but if you're thinking how I can create value for all my customers, the money will undoubtedly follow further down the line. Uh, And an interesting one I thought was how can you make it easy for your potential customers to switch from your competitors to you? Uh, Looking at Jane's challenge there, you know, 80% of people are with um, the main competitors, the big six in this case, but 80% of the market is held by those big companies. And 20% of the population will never, ever switch during their entire lifetime. So just think of it from your point of view with your business. What can you do? What barriers can you remove to make it easier for your potential customers to switch from your rivals, from your competitors to yourself? There's got to be something out there. So stay focused. Really looking forward to the next podcast and hope to have you on here again soon. Bye-bye. If you'd like the opportunity to attend one of our live events with some of the world's leading entrepreneurs, just go to startupu.co.uk and click on the events calendar. That's Startup U with the letter U. From there, you'll be able to see what live events we've got coming up and book a ticket from as little as £5, which includes a complimentary drink and the opportunity to network with like-minded entrepreneurs. Hope to see you soon. If you're an entrepreneur looking for funding, mentoring or support, go to startupu.co.uk. And if you'd like to share your startup story, we'd love to hear from you. Just go to the contact page on startupu.co.uk and we'll be in touch. And if you like this podcast, please subscribe and I'd love it if you left me a review of the show. To connect with me personally, you can find me on Twitter, LinkedIn and Facebook at Alex Chisnell. Until the next show, remember, don't wait. The time will never be just right. Action always beats intention. This show is brought to you by Rocket Spark, who make it easy for anyone to build a great looking website. Each month, Rocket Spark offers one lucky listener the opportunity to get a website absolutely free for the next six months to do some in-market testing of a new idea. Just go to rocketspark.com/slash screw it just do it to enter.